0: Hey, what's up, my friends? Graham Walden here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab Podcast. Appreciate you being here. Hope you're having a great day. Hope life is treating you well. I hope you're finding and booking paid speaking engagements and not only building a business, but also uh, making a little dent in the world, making a little difference. So whether you're a brand new speaker, you're just getting started and you're like, I have literally no idea where to begin. Or if you're a speaker that's been doing this for a little while, you're a veteran, you're a pro, you've got some things figured out, you're just trying to figure out how to continue to build and grow, scale your speaking business. You've come to the right place. And again, we really do appreciate you being here. Hey, today we're going to be talking with my friend Joy Grobelby, and uh, Joy is a, a great gal and extremely uh, has a lot of uh, experience in the speaking industry. So she actually works with Ken Davis, who's a speaker. We actually had Ken as a part of the Speaker Lab Summit that we did this past year. You may have seen uh, the interview with Ken, but he's a hilarious speaker, and Joy kind of helps on the management side of Ken. So uh, Joy's definitely been in the speaking industry for many, many years. So we talked in this conversation about why speakers should consider having someone else pitch them to potential clients, how Joy got into that with Ken. We talk about the one thing that she always does when quoting speaking fees, which I think is totally, totally smart, and I totally teach this as well and recommend it. We talk about why it's so important to get back with clients immediately and how she automates this. And we also talk about how to set high bar, low bar fees. So this is a question I get all the time is how much should I charge and should I negotiate? So she has some great thoughts on this on, on setting high bar and low bar fees. So definitely great stuff from Joy. I think you're really going to dig this. So before we get into it, Let me quickly remind you, again, if you haven't already, you definitely want to register for one of our upcoming free trainings where we are teaching you a step-by-step system all about how to find and book paid speaking engagements. So if you haven't registered for that, definitely stop by freespeakerworkshop.com. Again, that is freespeakerworkshop.com. We do those every single week. They are free. They are live. We are answering your questions live and in person. So we'd love for you to be a part of that. Again, stop by freespeakerworkshop and check that out. All right, let's get into it. Here's my conversation with my friend Joy Grobleby. Enjoy. What's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here. Hey, today I'm joined by my friend Joy Grobley. Start over. No, I got it. Grobleby. <laughs> Grobleby, Groble that's what I said.
1: Oh. oh, it is? I thought you were E.
0: It was kind of a, was, this is all staying in, just for the record. So uh, I'm hanging out with my friend Joy and uh, Joy is involved in the speaking industry in a variety of different ways, but primarily she's kind of a manager agent type of role with a couple of different speakers and more than just like specifically speakers, but mostly like online entrepreneurs and happen to do a little bit of speaking here and there and some to do more than others. So interested to hear from Joy's perspective on what she does and her role, who she works with, that kind of stuff. And uh, for people that want a joy in their life, then what that looks like. So Miss Joy, how are you today?
1: I'm good. How are you? Doing
0: quite well. Thanks for hanging out with us. So first of all, why don't you give us kind of a, a snapshot, high-level view of what it is that you do on a day-to-day basis?
1: So I started out doing this about 15 years ago. My son is almost 15, and when he was born, my oldest, I decided I wanted to not go back to work. At the time, I was working at Camel Radio in St. Louis, and I was- Did you
0: really? A, yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. I, so I, I grew up in to, I, well, hang on. I gotta tell you this. Say I grew up in Springfield, Missouri. So I'm a diehard Cardinals fan. Oh, so I crazy. listened to KMOX uh, like Cardinal games.
1: Yeah, like I got to meet Jack Buck on a number. No way. Hang out with Joe, see Bob Costas. It was really a it's very pretty, cool place. yeah. If you don't know the history of KMOX, if you're listening, it's huge. You check it out, it's, yeah. And if you're in Missouri, it's it's way
0: huge. It's a huge deal, Carol, yeah. So, yeah.
1: So I worked there for a few years, but then I had a baby and didn't want to do that anymore. So. I have grown up knowing Ken Davis. His daughter and I have been friends since junior high school. So at the time, Ken's manager hired me as basically a virtual assistant before there was such a thing. I mean, we had email, but my job was to do the administrative tasks for Ken's event. So back then, we printed tickets for his comedy concert, and they were all numbered. And then we split them up, and I sent them to Christian bookstores. And we had little spreadsheets on one piece of paper that they would fax in to me every week. Like it, total fax in, fax them in. Yeah. Gong show compared to, now. I call them every week and talk to them and get ticket counts and so much easier now, but that was my role when I started. So over the years, that just kind of morphed into a number of different things where basically started my own business, had a business partner for a number of years. And we took on speakers and authors as booking clients. We helped them with their online growth once that whole world started to explode, um, brand development, managed projects for them. But it's been a number of things over the years. The last year, I've been independent on my own and kind of boiled this down to most entrepreneurs are struggling with a few things. They have too many ideas, right? All these ideas and not enough time or staff to work on them. Right. If that's, because of that, they have a lot of chaos that happens and they just have this, kind of all the time chaos in their lives because there's just too much going on in their brain and nothing's really getting done and they still have to make money and pay the bills and all of that good thing. So I found a sweet spot for me in the last few years where I usually work with authors, speakers, some kind of driven entrepreneur type people, but putting myself in a role just to help them overcome chaos. Mm -hmm. to help them kind of reimagine possibilities, grab low hanging fruit, optimize their business of what's happening now. And then some of them I do smaller tasks for and manage book launches, product launches. Some of them I'm their booking agent, just depends on what's going on. A few of my clients now are publishers and content developers. So I'm doing some work with Spring and their Encourage brand and also with Broad Street Publishing and some with Zondervan. So it's changed over the years, but it's... Really, if you want to have a backstage view of speaking and writing, that's what I've been involved with.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like there's, and I think for a lot of speakers, we get into this, maybe interested specifically in speaking, but it kind of evolves into speaking just one way to share a message or a story or whatever. And so like you mentioned, it it may be hosting your own events or books or podcasts or webinars or courses or any number of different things to set the same speaking message and share it in, in other ways. You mentioned that you've been working for many years with Ken Davis. For people that aren't familiar with Ken, who is Ken? And then also who are some other speakers that maybe you work with?
1: So Ken is a author, he's a speaker, and he's a comedian. So he has been doing this for 40 plus years. We just had a giant 70th birthday roast for him a couple months ago. And so Ken is kind of the granddaddy of the business. He's done it all and is a mentor to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'll give you just some past clients. When Michael Hyatt first left Thomas Nelson and went out on his own, we were his managers for a number of years. Crystal Payne of moneysavingmom.com. Same thing with her. Gosh, who else? Marion Parsons is a completely different genre, but she has a blog called Miss Mustard Seed. It's big into the home decorating sphere. She has a worldwide paint line called Miss Mustard Seeds Milk Paint. So that whole HGTV crowd is over there. Okay. She's the current client. Michelle Kachat an author mm-hmm. that many of you might be familiar with, that I do all of her event booking. And Elisa Morgan is the President Emerita of Mops International, so I do quite a bit of work with her, too. Nice. And then I've got five to ten at any given time, part-time coaching clients that are just a couple appointments a month for people that don't need a lot of full-time help, don't need full-time help, but they still want somebody to partner with them and help them move things forward.
0: And it sounds like with all of them, it's kind of different what the role is, and what hat you're actually wearing. But with someone like Ken, what are the speaking tasks that you're doing? What are the things that you're involved with on the, the speaking side of the business?
1: Yeah. So for Ken, I handle all of his incoming calls. So for those of you who are speakers, here's a little tip. Nobody can fill up your calendar except for you. People can take your calls, and we can squeeze way more opportunity out of that call for you than you can yourself. I promise you I can get more money up for the event and make more things happen than you could if you answer the phone, but there's no one that can fill up your calendar. So my job for Ken is I take all of his incoming calls and just try to make them work best with his schedule, with our goals, what we plan for him as far as events go for the year. So I take that call from the time it comes in until the contract is signed and the deposit's in. And then Ken has a road manager, Matt Brady, and then Matt handles all of the advancing from that point forward. That's not how we've always done it. That's how I do it now with my booking clients. I find that once everything's booked, they usually have a personal assistant or someone that helps with travel and shipping product and the things that come with that. But that's what I do for Ken as far as event booking. Now, I do quite a few other things for Ken. Ken's my only remaining management client. In the past, Crystal Payne, Michael Hyatt, Mark Gunger, we did management full-time for them. But here's the thing about the world. The world has changed drastically in the last 7 to 10 years in this business. And where you used to need a manager, you needed somebody full-time to handle all your business and make all this stuff happen – So many things are so simple now. Websites, podcasts, publishing deals, self-publishing, hybrid publishing, these things that used to have all these gatekeepers that kept you away from making it happen, the gatekeepers are gone. And with the internet, you can pretty much do these things yourself. So what I've found is that the role of a full-time manager doesn't really work anymore. So instead of that now, except for Ken, because we've been doing it for so long, we're not going to change it at this point. But with new clients, it's more picking and choosing, like, what do you need help with? How can I best support you in your business?
0: Gotcha. So one of the things that you mentioned before was that it's the speaker's job to help like bring business in. So you kind of filter the business once it comes to you. And I want to get to that part. But you mentioned that it's the speaker's responsibility to actually fill the calendar. So obviously, someone like Ken has been doing this for many, many years, he has a massive track record, a lot of referrals and repeat business that have come just over the years, and you just have huge momentum that it's, it's hard to uh, compete with when you have 40 years of experience in the business. But for let's say you're working with a new client, and they're interested in speaking, what would you recommend that that new client do to get speaking? engagements and and to at least get the phone ringing
1: so here's the deal ken does have a lot of experience for sure and we get tons of referrals and people just know him because they've read one of his books or they just know him but ken also we still produce a daily radio show that's on over 1500 stations we've been doing it for 20 years and he still takes the time to put that content together we pay for it it's not free But the fact that he's on the radio with hundreds of thousands of listeners every day, calls come in because people hear him all the time. He still does a weekly podcast, the Dynamic Communicators Art and Business of Public Speaking podcast. So he blogs every week. So even though, why is the calendar filling up? For him, it's the same as a beginning speaker You have to put yourself out there to the world so that they know that you're available and they know what you have to offer. And I get a lot of phone calls from people who want to know if I'll help book them. Sometimes it's legitimate. They have a lot of their phones ringing and they just can't handle it. They don't have someone on their staff or they don't even have a staff. Most of the time, though, they think that I have magic fairy dust that I can (laughs) sprinkle over their being and that if my name is attached to them or if they just have an agent that I'll be this bulldog agent that makes all these outgoing calls on their behalf. The truth is that does not work. A cold calling to get you an event, even if you get an event, I promise you it won't be that great of an event. (laughs) It won't be the right one. So here's what I tell new upcoming speakers and even authors, entrepreneurs that have been around a while that have a base. If you want to get your calendar booked up for speaking events, you have to put yourself out there to the world. They need to know that you're available and they need to know what you know. What are you the expert in? Why should they hire you to speak to their group? There's a few elements to that. One is your website must have a great speaking page. So I'm going to give you my clients because I like their speaking pages. I suggest you look at Michelle Kashat. It's michellekashat.com or kendavis.com. Those How do you spell
0: are- Michelle's last name?
1: It's M-I-C-H-E-L-E and Kashat is C-U-S-H-A-T-T.
0: Cool.
1: Those are both great places to go to to look at what a good speaking page looks like. That's important because people are going to be in a meeting and they need to be able to go to the webpage, know who you are, what you do, what you talk about, how to go about booking them, and then a quick place that they can email you for more information. So you got to have a good speaking page, but you also have to be on a regular basis, putting out content to the world. The word content is so overused. I wish I could come up with a new one because it makes me a little bit sick to my stomach to talk about it because you hear it constantly. You just got to put out good stuff. And here's a a thing. I have like a a lady calls me and I'm going to just give you a picture. Lady calls me. She's a speaker. She's written a book. Let's say it has been published. She self-published a book. She has a website and she's a speaker.
0: This is a hypothetical and, person. Hypothetical.
1: And I'm going to say she's 32 to 40 years old. She's blonde. She's beautiful. She wears great heels. She's real involved in her church. And she's got kids at home that are 2, 8, and 12. Okay? Just hypothetical. There, just hypothetical. There are... Hundreds of women fit that same description. I could give you a male description too, but you get the gist. Hundreds of women that fit that description that want to be speakers. They all have a message to share. Here's what you have to do as one of those people. You need to find what makes you stand up above that crowd. So there's all these people. Just picture like a lake, right, where the water is then there's got to be something that stands up in the middle of that water that makes you different. So find out what makes you uniquely you. What makes you different? It could be an experience you've had. It could be where you were raised, how you were educated, some schooling you know, some topic that you just know from front to back. It could be a number of things. But when you put yourself out there, you got to find out what makes you unique. Why do you stand above all those other women that look and act and talk the very same? You got to find that. Once you find that and put that out there, now people have a reason to call you as opposed to somebody else. So good speaking page, make sure you've got something that makes you stand out. And uh, probably the third thing is when the phone rings, return the call immediately. Do not wait. They need to get an automated response that doesn't sound automated within immediately. And they need to hear back from a person, you or somebody else, no more than 24 hours later.
0: All right. You said several things I want to touch on. I I, 1000% agree on the immediate response. I want to come back to that. One of the things I like that you said is that with someone like Ken, he's been speaking for, you know, literally decades. And At the same time, though, what Ken has to do today, like you said, is the same thing that a news speaker has to do. You have to continually create content or put yourself out there or continue to shake the tree, so to speak, in order to get bookings. And I I remember a couple of years ago talking with a a buddy of mine here in Nashville who's an extremely successful corporate speaker and gets booked for, you know, $20,000, $30,000 gigs. I was asking him, what's working for you today? He's like, the same thing that always worked. I have to continually put myself out there. And so I think it's helpful and encouraging in some ways to hear that the longer you do it, yes, you have a slight advantage, but it's slight at best. And well, your you,
1: advantage is you can, you can command more money. You sure. know, you can charge more. When you start, I would suggest you speak for anyone who asks you to. A small business group, a networking group of 20 people for free, or if you speak in churches, a mops group, for $150, go do it. Speak as much as you can. And eventually the tide will start to turn, but um, you're not going to walk out the gate commanding a $12,000 honorarium. That's just not going to happen.
0: The other thing that I like that you said is as a, you know, in a manager agent type of role that you don't have like some plethora of speaking gigs that you're just holding back and just like, if only I had more speakers, I would know what to do with these. Like a buddy of mine who lives here in Nashville, he's actually a neighbor. He's a president of Premier Speakers Bureau, a major bureau here in Nashville. And the line he says I love is that bureaus, and I think in the same way agents and managers don't create demand, they manage demand. Meaning, if you can't get the phone to ring on your own, and you can't get inquiries on your own, what makes you think a bureau or an agent or a manager is just going to magically suddenly do that for you? So, I mean,
1: there are a few companies out there that have to hire a speaker, and they call a big agency, like Premier or Ambassador, and they say, I need a speaker about this topic for this date. Who do you have?
0: Yep.
1: That is the exception, not the rule, even in those big places. That's why... Whether you have an assistant take your calls or you hire someone like me who just works kind of boutique with a few clients, nobody calls me ever saying, I have this event, who do you have? Ever, ever, ever. They only contact me because they've gone to one of my client sites and my name's on there and that's why they contact me. But that's okay. That's the best kind of contact that you can have. Right.
0: So, okay, let's play that out where if I'm, uh, I'm reaching out to you and I'm inquiring and I want to hire Ken or one of your clients, and I heard about Ken or whoever through the grapevine and I reach out to you, what are some of the steps that you follow? Because you said that, that you could do a better job presenting and selling Ken, uh, getting more money, of squeezing more out of the deal. What does that look like for you? And, and, and to piggyback on one thing that you mentioned was the importance of the immediate response. Talk a little bit more about that, why that matters so much.
1: So, when a lead comes in, we'll just use it it's any speaker that I represent it with the same. When the lead comes in, um, they fill out a form on the speaker's website. That form goes directly into my system. I happen to use Salesforce, there's lots of things you can use. That goes right into my system, and I get an email saying, Hey, we got a lead. I have an automated response set up that goes out to that client that basically just says, Hey, Thank you. I see what you've sent in to me. Do you have any other details you can share with me? This will make it simpler. It must be really friendly because people write me back all the time and they say, oh my gosh, I can't believe I heard back from you so quickly. Thank you. So write it in a way that doesn't sound automated. Most people will probably know it is, but write it very friendly. So then those people that are really hot will write back right away. And that's a signal to me, like call this person right now. If you can get back with them the same day, that's the best. But within 24 business hours, you need to make sure that that happens. I actually will tell you, I'm not perfect with this. One of my clients, I lost an event for her this year. Ugh, admitting that in public to yeah. the whole planet. I didn't get back with someone for three or four days. And who knows why, you know, I make mess up like everybody, but they had already booked another speaker. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll consider her for next year. That sucks. Like That's not good. It's worse when I do it for somebody else, but I mean, gosh, even if you're handling your own, it's just not good. And it's very, very normal in this industry for it to be very difficult to get a call back. So what will make you stand above the rest? They may inquire with 10 speakers. I bet one or two get back with them that quickly right. because people aren't good at this. So you can really push yourself to the front of the line just by making that response quick.
0: Yeah, to jump in there, for me personally, I know there's been multiple gigs that I've booked, not necessarily because I'm the best speaker, but because I was either the quickest to respond or because of just how quick I responded. So it's massively shocking to a client when they submit a request or an inquiry of some type and you immediately call, even if it's like something like you said, some type of automated something as an initial response point. But I know for me, like I try to call within a few minutes because it totally catches them off guard. And they're mm-hmm. like, I just hit submit on the form like a few minutes ago. But it sets the it sets the bar of just like this is what you this is the level of professionalism and, and customer service and the experience you're going to get. Cause Joy, you well know that like if they show up and, and if Ken or whoever is a great speaker. But it's just unorganized and sloppy, and balls are being dropped behind the scenes. Like, they don't want to work with you. So, being really, really good behind the scenes makes their life easier and makes them want to hire your speakers.
1: It makes them refer you. Totally. Great. We had him last year. He was amazing. She did a great job. Definitely call them for your event. Event planners talk to event planners. Yep. Yeah.
0: So very much so. Okay. So let's play that out then that I reach out to you, you were there some automated or some type of response I get. We eventually get on the phone to kind of talk through, you know, budgets and dates and logistics and all this stuff. What are you doing on your end? What works well to make sure that a, a speaker is maximizing what they are, are getting for any given event?
1: So. Real quick, the reason I said that it works better when someone else answers your calls, here's a quick little story. I don't speak very often. I teach at some conferences and do sometimes, not very often at all. A number of years ago, I got asked to speak at a women's retreat. And I was real excited and super comfortable, and I was fine. Now, remember, I do this for a living, okay? The minute they said, now, how much, what's your fee? (laughs) I, like, I choked up. I couldn't talk. I think I got all hot. My face got red, and... Because it's personal. It's about me. It's me telling somebody how much I'm worth. Yeah. That's a horrible place to be, right. and it was very uncomfortable for me. And I just cracked up, thinking, "You are such a loser." You <laughs> so much easier to do it for someone else because there's no emotion tied to it. Yep. You know. Yep. It's so that is helpful. The reason, another reason, someone else should do it for you. They can just speak of you without feeling like they're bragging or boasting, right? They can sell you and just make you sound amazing, which you are. And it's simpler for them. So here's the big secret. No matter who answers your phone call, here's the giant secret to booking. Are you ready? I'm ready. It's when they say, we want you to come and you say, great. That date's open on my calendar. My date's open on Ken's calendar. He'd love to be there. His fee for that will be blank whatever the number is, okay? His fee for that will be blank. And there's a giant period at the end of that sentence. And, and shut you don't up. Don't do anything else. You just <laughs> stop talking. You don't say his fee normally is or his regular fee is X. You just say his fee is blank. My fee for a keynote is blank. And then stop talking. It's super painful sometimes. Yeah, yep. Don't follow it up with, does that fit in your budget? Is that what you were thinking? You don't say anything. The first person to talk loses, right? Mm -hmm. So I sound like Donald Trump negotiating. (laughs) (laughs) Bigly important. Okay. So (laughs) if, if you just wait and see what they say, they might be shocked. They might be fine with it, but see what they say. And you can always negotiate down. We use a system called high bar, low bar, where we say like kind of your high bar is your retail rate. You know, your retail rate, what you go out the gate with and your low bar is what you have in your head that you know, you'd probably go down to and still be comfortable. They shouldn't be very far apart, maybe a couple thousand dollars. And then as you go through your career, your low bar and your high bar will change, right? Right. So as your high bar goes up, your low bar will probably go right with it. So you just got to be real, real confident to make that call that way. And that can be hard to do for yourself. It can even be hard for some agents or assistants doing it because you just want to make it happen and you want the date so badly. But if you can remember that tip of just getting your price and being quiet and then very gracious and kind and wait and see what they say next.
0: Yeah, that's so true. Just to say your price and shut up because you will immediately start negotiating against yourself. <laughs> My fee is $1,000 or whatever you have. like, no, give them an opportunity to at least say something or to chime in. They may be like, great, that's fine. And you would otherwise just talk yourself out of it.
1: And I've done this for over a decade. I have to remind myself every single time I do it. Don't say normal fee is just say his fee is blank and be quiet. Right. Like it's a four <laughs> sentence I mean, so write that word, tape it to your computer, whatever you need to do to remember that.
0: You mentioned the the high bar, low bar. How do you determine not only what that high bar and low bar is, but also when you will and won't use it? Are you you thinking like, well, as long as I land somewhere between the high bar and the low bar, I'm good. Or is it in certain circumstances or situations, it's high bar retail or nothing? Or like, what are some of the criteria you're looking at there?
1: Depends on the speaker. If you're a beginning speaker and you've never put yourself out there, your high bar maybe it's fifteen hundred dollars, right. maybe twenty five hundred dollars, and your low bar might be five hundred. It might be free. Who knows? It just depends on where you are and what kind of a genre you're in, what your niche is. Yep. If you're a speaker that's been around for a while, here's how you know when it's time. You always have that in mind, right? Now there are some events that come in. For me, I work with a lot of faith-based clients. So we say there's some events that are more ministry than business. Mm -hmm. So they may not have a budget, but for me or for my client, we really want to do it because of the ministry that's going to happen there. So we'll go and it's completely outside of our high bar, low bar, but that's a case by case basis. Here's how you know when it's time to change your high bar. When everyone is saying yes to your high bar without batting an eye, it's too low. So if everyone says 2,500, great, 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 great. It's too low. So now we bump it up to 3,000 and then we start there. And when that keeps happening, then we go up to 3,500 or 4,000. There's a few places like above 5,000 is kind of, you know, the next level. And then once you get into five digits, that's the next, puts you in another level of speakers. But the way, you know, to change it is when nobody's saying no to you because of money, that means time to go higher.
0: Right. That makes sense. So, okay. Anything else in terms of negotiation of uh, that you use, or is it, it sounds like it's really more on a, a case-by-case basis?
1: Yeah, it's pretty, it's very much case-by-case basis. Sometimes I'll give you one more tip. Sometimes a organization might not have, let's say your fee is 3500 They don't have $3,500 for a keynote. They have $2,000. Mm-hmm. There's going to be 150 people there. And you say, okay, how about this? I'll come for 2000 but then why don't you buy 150 copies of my book at $10 a piece in advance Mm -hmm. for everyone that's there and then you can give it to them as a pillow gift or some kind of a gift and that's an extra benefit. They probably have another budget for those kind of promos or advertising things for their attendees so they can pull money from that. So you're still at your $3,500 level, but it works for the client as well. So some of those things where you kind of work the deal, that stuff that just comes that you figure out over time. Yeah. That works for some people and not for others. The only other thing I'll tell you about this is when they say yes, get them an agreement right away. Whatever your system is, I have a process. We do all of our agreements where they can sign online and make it real simple and the invoicing is automated. But get that agreement out to them. Get a deposit in. I do 20%. Some people do 50%. That's up to you. And then when it comes time, make it simple. Good customer service. You approach them about things like travel and AV and slides and all of that before they approach you so that you go into it and they have the answers before they even know they have the questions. Go to your event, come home, and then have you or someone from your team follow up in two ways after your event. Number one, send them something, a tin of cookies, a gift card to Starbucks, send them something to say thank you with a handwritten note, and then follow up and ask them for an endorsement. How did this go? Could you give me an endorsement to use for my website for the people that are coming? after you. And you'll build a really nice portfolio of those endorsements over time. I
0: want to ask you one other thing. You mentioned that you've done a lot and you have a lot of experience in the faith-based Christian nonprofit world. That's a kind of a unique market in that historically, and most people assume that there's no money there. And generally their budgets are typically lower relative to corporations or associations. So what would be kind of your, as you kind of look over the landscape of speakers in the faith-based market, Any observations that you have or speakers should be aware of if they want to go down that path?
1: Number one, don't assume that there's no money available because there is quite a bit of money available in places you wouldn't anticipate. The second thing is just because it's nonprofit or it's faith-based, there still is a way to make it happen. So churches are used to paying for speakers to come in. Mm -hmm. Conferences sell tickets to faith-based conferences, just like they do to secular events. So there's still a budget there for these things to happen. I think though what you can remember with events, whether they're faith-based or not, you can never be too generous and you can never be too grateful. So if that's with your content, if it's generosity with your time, if it's generosity with signing books and shaking hands and spending time with attendees afterwards, the more you practice that generosity and gratefulness, Or whatever you have, when you're at your event, before, during, and after. I tell you, it's really going to affect your success and what happens to you over the trajectory of your career.
0: Beautiful. Very good. Well, Joy, to wrap up, any final words of wisdom? And and also, where can we find out more about you? I know that, again, you mentioned that you work a lot with Ken. You guys have some conferences and events and, and different resources that you guys offer there. Where can we find all that?
1: So I would love for your listeners to know about the SCORE Conference. That's the conference we put on a few times a year. It's at scoreconference.tv. SCORE has two R's in it. So S-C-O-R-R-E, scoreconference.tv. We've done this for over three decades now. It's a conference that teaches a preparation and presentation method for speaking. It is proven. You come for four days. You're in a small group. You actually give a speech each night while you're there. You learn the method, you give a speech. You learn more, you give a speech. And the change we see in people's communication from Monday to Thursday is crazy over the top. So Grant, you have a coupon code you can maybe share in your show notes for your listeners to save some money on that. Awesome. But that's coming up. Our next one is in May in San Clemente, California, right on the dang beach overlooking the ocean. (laughs) It's a gorgeous facility. We'd love to have you there. I have a website at joyjoyg.com. That is a... Severely outdated blog, but the rest of it is current, so check that out. It's a blog I never write on. And final words of wisdom here's the truth, you guys this is hard, it is not easy. Every once in a while, you see somebody who goes from zero to a hundred in a couple of months, and it's just not the norm. It is a slow slog, it is a slow climb, but consistency is your best friend. So be consistent, know what your objective is, know your audiences and just don't give up right at that point where you think this is never going to work. You're going to hit this inflection point and it's going to go up. You've heard this from a lot of people, not just me, Hmm. but don't get discouraged because this is a, it's not a quick thing, but the rewards are really great.
0: Very well said. And again, I would highly recommend and endorse SCORE Conference and what they're doing there. And in fact, Joy and I, we've been talking behind the scenes for a couple months and working on some stuff that we're going to try to work together on because with what SCORE teaches in terms of the art, the craft, the delivery of presenting, you know, with what we do a lot of around the, the subject of, of the business and booking side of it. So there's definitely a lot of opportunities for us to work together. And we're going to continue to try to make that happen for you guys and help you in your, uh, your, your businesses. So Joy, thanks again for the time. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Miss Joy, girl. will be good stuff, huh? Did you like how I butchered her name at the beginning there too? That was awesome, but we left it in there for you. All right, so again, I would encourage you to stop by scoreconference.tv. Again, that is score with two R's, a C-O-R. RRE conference.tv and uh, check out what they have going on there. So, hey, again, also a reminder to check out uh, freespeakerworkshop.com. Again, freespeakerworkshop.com. And uh, we'd love for you to register for one of our upcoming free trainings teaching you all about how to find and book paid speaking engagements. So, we hope to see you there. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We will catch you next time. You're awesome.